welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. We're going to be reading the NIV version today of Luke 16. We're going to be focusing on verse 19 uh, through to the end of the chapter. So if you'd like to read along with me. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Jess. Uh, It's a great privilege here at Seeds after a period of leave. I must admit, holidays go very fast, don't they? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But I'm genuinely happy to be back here and worship with our family at Seeds. It is a great privilege to be senior pastor of this church at this time. And I'm excited for what God will do amongst us and through us as we go into the future. A little moment of indulgence just to save me a few conversations afterwards, if that's all right. Uh, I spent most of my time on holidays at home uh, on my little farm uh, and uh, working away at some various projects that I have uh, going on. Some fencing, some sheep work, some firewood, some bees, some building, some other things. Uh, We also spent time as a family going down the Glenelg River. Anybody canoed the Glenelg River? If you haven't, you should, if you're able. Um... (laughs) Uh, highly recommend it as a four or five day trip if you are adventurous. Holidays are great. I commend them to you. Take them. Take them. Even if you're retired, take holidays. Uh, I want to say thank you to those who carried the weight while I was away, uh, to Sarah and Virginia, for Matt, and particularly to Ashley. Um, Ashley has COVID at the moment, poor fella, so he'll be, uh, where is he? he'll be watching us. So God bless you, Ashley, and your recovery, and Marion too. Aren't we blessed to have such a team? They're able to do such wonderful things. I want to thank you to those, this is the first time I've spoken since I've been back on leave, but thank you to those who, who cared for Sue Bignall uh, over the last year. 
and especially those who helped out in the funeral um, a couple of weeks back. Um, can I encourage you to keep Sue and her family in your prayers uh, and keep caring as a church? It's really important that we keep caring and uh, keep loving each other. You know, I want to say, I, I don't understand the mysteries of God and God's timings of God's actions. Uh, I don't know why some people are healed uh, and some people aren't. Why some go and, and some stay. But I do know this, and I know that God has our life in his hands and he is worthy of our trust, no matter what. Increasingly, I'm realising the only thing that really counts in our world, the only, the only thing that is stable and dependable, the only thing that is rock solid in our world is the love that God has for us. That is the only thing that we can depend on. And I urge you to press into that as we live our lives. You know, I feel like I, I, I've got a few summary things to say, but I feel like I need to say something about the, the most recent referendum that we have just undertaken. I know that many of you have spoken to me about your thoughts and preferences as what should and shouldn't happen. And uh, I've seen uh, many of you post on social media and um, I've watched um, with interest. And we all know now what did happen, that our nation spoke with absolute clarity around this particular issue. I'm not, I don't want to comment on that, but I, I do want to say that um, watching that result, I don't know about you, but, but I am troubled by one particular thing in our nation. And that is, how do we come together as a whole nation of Australia? There is little doubt that we have a massive issue in our country and, and one that nobody with the best interest seems able to address. We seem unable to find a way forward and as people of faith, this issue is the one that should concern us. I'm not talking about politics. Uh, I try to be apolitical as much as possible. I'm not talking about land rights. I'm not talking about tokenism that seems to be everywhere. I'm talking about a way to progress as a nation that draws us together with a single vision and a single purpose. So would you join with me in looking beyond that which we see in the media, social media in particular, looking beyond our cultural biases, um, and would you ask Jesus to lead us and to show us the way forward? This is something that as people of faith, we should be praying into. And I, and I commend you to you to pray for our country, for the togetherness that we so desperately need. I, I want to let you know that the search for an associate pastor has now moved into a new and a promising stage. And I hope that in the next few weeks, I will be able to give you further information. And in due course, very soon in fact... Uh, that we will need to come together to vote on a new associate pastor. I, I am asking your help uh, in our search for a young adults pastor. And uh, over the last few weeks, uh, I have exhausted all my leads and all my good ideas. And so I'd, ask, I'd like to ask you to call you to prayer as we search for a young adults pastor. It is vital, let me tell you, it, it is screaming at us that we must have a young adults pastor, Okay. So I need your help. I need your prayers and your thoughts and your, um, your, your discernment in this. We need the spirits leading and movement like never before. And, and finally, just before I pray, I want to remind us that, 
that as we move forward to employ new staff that we, that we desperately need, it's very clear that we, we need staff in key areas, that, that I want to remind you gently just to keep faithful with your offerings. If only we realise the depth of goodness that comes to us when we are faithful with our offerings towards God. This church, as you've heard many times before, relies on the generosity of its members. Without you or us, we we are unable to function in the way in which we do so at this moment and hope to further in the future. So please, can I implore you, please don't put your giving on the back burner. Let me say a prayer and we're going to launch into chapter 16. Father, we ask your blessing upon us as we, as we have a conversation and as we try to, to understand some of your economy and how that plays out in our lives at this moment. Give clarity to my words and thoughts and understanding to my friends as we wrestle with, with what you want us to hear and then do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to deal with the whole of chapter 16 today. It's uh, 31 verses, so by my reckoning we'll be finished by Tuesday mid-morning thereabouts. Uh, I mainly want to focus on the second part, which Jess so well read out to us, um, the rich man Lazarus. But, but let me just make a couple of comments about verse up to verse 18, the first 18 verses, although there's a bit there about marriage I'm just skipping over, so work it out for yourself. Because um, I, I can't at the moment. Um, I'll come back to another day. These, these first few verses are, are complicated. In fact, this whole chapter is complicated. I don't know who chose this for me. I think actually I did. Um, should have given it to Ashley, shouldn't I? Um, but they, they seemingly contain an ethical paradox. It's called the parable of the shrewd manager. I, I have spoken on this here previously, uh, where a man is about to be fired and he realises that he is in an awful predicament. So prior to being let go, he reduces the bills of his boss's debtors so that when he is unemployed, he might gain some favour with other businesses and business owners. And he reckons in his sort of roundabout way that this would give him uh, some positive outcomes. Uh, The end result is that he's right, but not in the way he thought. Uh, That his boss sees his actions and commends him for being smart and says, please keep your job. Now, there are lots of ways to look at this parable, but let me get right to the point. For it seems to me that the manager awoke to a bigger picture. He figured out that the things were very temporary and he needed to adjust his actions so that that would help him with the appending doom that was about to descend upon him and possibly his family. Broadly speaking, you can see that things he thought were important, were actually not important. And what's most important is that he realised that he needed to act with his future in mind, which is interesting in light of the next parable. Let me just, though, apply this one before I move to the next one. Don't be tempted to think that Jesus is advocating dishonesty, okay? That's, that's not to be read into this parable. That's not the point. I think Jesus is using this parable to illustrate how some use their financial means and positions of power to make things better for themselves. And that's obvious in the world around us all the time. Even um, 
in so-called non-corrupt governments like ours, there, there are rorts, aren't there? Aren't there? Come on, we hear about them all the time. There are jobs for the boys. You know, there's all, all sorts of things. But in using this illustration, Jesus is challenging us to use the things at our disposal to work for an eternal future. I think that's the point here. Use what's at your hand, he's saying, to possess what really matters. Don't let the love of certain things take over our lives, but rather use them to enhance our eternal life. Now, it's easy for me to point out how this would work in our lives. For we, I've got some really uncomfortable things to say. Just don't forget the preacher's always preaching himself, okay? So we're in this together, all right? Even if you're online, the preacher's always preaching this to himself. We are attached to things way too much. Amen? We are attached to things way too much. Things that we think are important, but actually are rapidly fading. They, they change and decay far more than we think they ever would. I mean, can you cast your mind 100 years from now? Probably not, but just try 100 years from now. Those things that we own at this moment that are so important to us, if they are still around, most certainly will be owned by someone else who does not know who we are who has no idea who we are and the, the importance that we attach to them. Think about our houses. Even, even if your house is knocked over and someone else will own the land, someone more likely than not that doesn't even know your name and they will own that place and they'll continue on with their life. The challenge here is not to place importance on things that will fade, rot, break down and be thrown away, but rather that which is eternal. You see, we often play in the sand when we're offered a seat at the table. We, we walk when we can fly. We eat sandwiches when we are offered a banquet. So let me keep moving because I think that both the parable of the shrewd manager and the parable of the rich man, Lazarus, teach us a similar thing. And you heard the parable read to us from Jess. A rich man who remains nameless has all the wealth he could ever desire. As opposed to Lazarus. Now, I think in Luke's gospel, this is the only time someone in a parable was named. So so that's, that's important for us to notice. Lazarus, who was dirt, poor and really unwell. Both die and we are given a scene of heaven and hell or Uh, heaven and Hades, whatever you like, or put it this way, of comfort and distress, peace and fire. It's pretty harrowing, isn't it? The rich man finds himself in eternal turmoil and Lazarus in the company of a hero of the Jewish people, Abraham. Then a dialogue breaks out from the rich man asking first for water. Can Can he dip his finger in the water? Tip his finger in the water to cool my tongue. That's how bad it is. And then asking help from his, for his family from Lazarus. And Jesus concludes the parable with this telling statement. Look with me at verse 31 if you've got your Bibles. Verse 31. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophet, they will not be convinced even if somebody rises from the dead. Now, there are many things in this parable that we could understand that, that would help us understand or enhance our knowledge for the context. For instance... The rich man being dressed in purple is a signal to the first audience that he was like seriously rich. 
He wasn't just wealthy. He was like seriously rich, on, an, on another level rich. Notice there's another trigger for us there. He lived in luxury every day. Not just like once a week or at feasts or at Christmas time, every day. And, and Lazarus longed to eat the bread that fell from his table, the crumbs that fell from his table, which would have been understood in the context that, that the rich, when, when they ate, they ate with their hands. And because they were so um, ostentatious, they, they had so much, they would wipe their hands, not in a bowl or with a cloth, but with bread. And throw it away. And so what it's telling us here is Lazarus would, would love to eat the discarded hand towel from the table of the rich man. Do you notice too that Lazarus on his death was treated to an escort to heaven. Whereas the rich man was simply buried. And you can see also the suffering reality of hell, the joy of heaven and the gulf the dichotomy which is between the two. Now the thing is, and, and it's, a, it's a great temptation for us with this particular parable, if we go too deep into parables, we actually put them under a pressure they were not meant to uh, hold. And we find all we have left is these scattered bits of, of shards in our hands because we pulled it apart and it can't go back together again. And while it's interesting to speculate on some of the more fascinating details, and of course, there are oodles of fascinating details here, isn't there? Oh, it's an extraordinary parable. I think in this case, we are meant to see the bigger picture of what Jesus is saying. And by large, parables are meant to convey a broader meaning and mostly point over the top of details. If we get into the details, we find ourselves bogged and we miss the forest for the trees. Now, remember, we've just come off the back of Ashley's threefold sermon series on the way of grace in these chapters of Luke. And last week we heard the heart of the father in seeking after the lost son. So it seems to me we find that in the one thing, we find in the one thing the rich man did not do. With all his splendour, with all his wealth, with all his importance... He does not notice the need that is right on his doorstep. And in contrast to, to the father who was, who was actively looking for the lost son, we see the rich man concerned only with himself. Let me read verses 19 and 20 again. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate laid a beggar. Lazarus covered with sores. Do you notice that the rich man takes not one scrap of notice of Lazarus? And it's only in heaven and hell that he acknowledges his existence when he wants something back from him. Now, if we were to pull this back one more step, we'll see that the rich man, oh, he, he seriously focused only on himself and nobody else factored into his equation. He did not walk the way of grace. He walked the way of himself. So, here's the new revised and improved Jonathan. I've got one sermon point for you. It's a long one. Are you ready for it? 
When we focus on ourselves, we miss out. Or another way of saying is that an internal focus kills an external meaning. Or someone else more famous said, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose their soul? I want to make this parable really simple. And I want to narrow it right down onto one thing that we can grapple with and for us not to get lost in the details. So let me ask you this question and make our service and our online audience really uncomfortable. Where is your attention focused? Is it, I have too much to do today, or is it, God, what do you want me to do? Is there room for only you in your world? That's the question. It seems to me that the rich man's one sin in this parable was the sin of idolatry. That is, he had an idol that absorbed all his thoughts and resources. And that idol was himself. And it's an idol, let's be honest, that you and I suffer from all the time. You know, if we fill our brains and our hearts and our minds up with ourselves, then there's no room for anything or anyone else. If we do that as a parent, then, then we miss out on the miracle that's happening in front of us in the, in the life of our child. We, we have a phrase for that. It's called absent parenting, isn't it? And we have a generation that are, that, that are now merging. That have, that, that's their experience. If we do that in a relationship, we, we, we miss out on the development of the beautiful bond that's, that's mutual and growing, that's rich and deep and has so much more to offer us. We call that aloof. It's called two strangers living under the one roof. If we do that as an employee, then we miss out on contributing to the workplace. We have a name for people like that. We call them our boss. No, we don't. <laughs> we, 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 we call people like that unemployed because they only focus on themselves. And that it, it, it leads to the degradation of our workforce and And all we do is look after ourselves, not the best interests of the company we're working for. If we do that as a retiree, if we just take, we don't give, trip after trip, cruise after cruise. You see, the world doesn't owe us a happy ending, even if we can afford it. We all still have more to give, don't we? Friends, we call this narcissism. It's the full-blown development of self-love. When we worship at the altar of me, and our society is, is telling us that we can do this, that we must do this, it's, it's imploring us, pamper yourself, do it for yourself. You are the most important all the time. This message is coming over and over and over again. You need this. You, you have to have this. And in following this path, we are leading. Let, let's make no mistake about this. We are, we are leading to more and more depression. We are, we are leading to more and more medication, more and more anxiety, more and more mental health, more bizarre behaviours, more, more dismissing of long-held imperial truths. Like, 
If you think it's weird now, strap in. Because the further this goes, the further this goes. Why? Because we will never find happiness, satisfaction, meaning and purpose by looking in the mirror. You know what we find? In the end, we find hell. Because we are not the saviour of the world. And we can't even save ourselves, let alone everybody else. It leads us to a place as a society that is becoming so destructive we cannot see a way out of it no matter how hard we try. And we're trying all these bizarre, weird ideas, fluidity and all this sort of stuff going on all around the place because we're looking in the wrong place. And if we keep going like this, you know what's going to happen? We are going to explode. Society can't, can't take this anymore. Let me just say this bluntly in case you were never told as a child or as an adult, you are not the most important person in this world. Like seriously, we act as if we are. And we've got a really big problem. You see, there's more, much more for you to give your life to than yourself. Ironically, so many settle for less than they are worth because they look at themselves all the time. We are like, we are like the rich man and we miss the point of our life. We miss the one thing that matters. Like, is that you? Are you, are you missing the one thing that matters? And if there's a growing ease, unease inside of you, then maybe I'm talking to you at this moment or I'm talking to you online. You see, the way of grace invites us to be in a relationship with Father, Son and Spirit, to take up God's agenda, God's importance, God's focus. And when we do that, we find out what really matters, what we really should be focusing on, what is most important. We, we know that we are loved by God. We know that we are wanted by God. We know that we are given a hope and a future and a purpose and a lifelong task to work on. And if we are still breathing, God has work for us to do in this world. You know, do you remember all this year that I've been giving you a definition of discipleship? Do you remember? I know I've been away on holidays, but do you remember? Okay, nod your head. Just, just. Yep, good. Uh, it's, it's, the definition of discipleship is to listen and then obey. And it's, I'm very clear about who to listen to. It is listen to God. The Spirit of God, Jesus, listen to him. If you listen to God, he will tell you what is most important and then it's over to you to obey. And he will ask you, they make no shadow of doubt. He will ask you to take your eyes off yourself and look at the world. Because why? Because because there are Lazaruses in the world. And there are Lazarus issues in the world that need our help in order to solve them. And in doing so, in doing that, in taking your eyes off you, in hearing the the voice of God, taking your eyes off you and responding to what God says, you will make a difference in the world. You know that you are placed uniquely in a spot that no one else can reach or affect or serve. You and only you are God's ambassador and you have a job to do. Let me just finish with verse 
30. Verse 30 and 31. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Obviously, this is a clear reference to Jesus. But the simple fact that they would not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead, is startling, don't you think? It says to me that they have, his five brothers, have their minds so full of themselves, they have no room for this amazing fact and the consequences of what this means. My friends, can I implore you, don't be like that. Lift your eyes off yourself. Listen to God, look around, see what's happening, see what God is doing. Be present. Be prayerful. And let's not miss the greatest adventure that's waiting for us to be had, the adventure of letting God lead us into today and through into tomorrow, the adventure of seeing more than us in God's great big world. Let me pray. Lord, we are humbled by the fact that that you, the one who legitimately could have remained with yourself, came and walked amongst us. And in doing so, you showed us how to live and love and serve and care. Forgive us for those times and we've just focused on us. Forgive us for the, the stuff that we've done, that we've made it all about us. Help us see it's actually all about you and what you're doing in this world and what you want us to help you with. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.